0: Beloved congregation of the Lord, will you read with me again in John chapter 14, and we'll read verses 5 and 6. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, beloved congregation, we are um, to celebrate the wonderful supper of the Lord Jesus Christ, this coming Lord's Day, if the Lord would permit. And what a very special thing that is, that the Lord would draw close to his people, not only through his word, but through what's called the visible word by some of our fathers, that, that visible representation of all the blessings of salvation in Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is a marvelous thing to feast upon Christ, both in his deity and in his humanity, in his person and in his work in his righteousness and in his love, to feast upon him by faith through this wonderful instrument and gift to the church. And so precious is this gift that it is to be rightly prepared for. As we've read from our form, for the Lord's Supper, there is very clear biblical requirements before A believer, before a true Christian would partake of the supper, they must examine themselves to see whether they are truly walking in repentance before God and looking to none other but Christ alone for their salvation. Such as these are welcome to the supper. And so it's a challenging thing, a daunting thing, that we should enter into a a season, a week of of testing and self-examination. It can be a daunting thing to lay up our lives before the Lord to see what is amiss, to see the lack and, and the failing that remains in ourselves and in our lives. We can easily go astray in this and miss the blessing which the Lord would have in store for those who would obey his command to take and eat. And so as I was reflecting on the appropriate message for this preparation week, I was drawn to a text that really sets forth Jesus Christ in His excellency as our mediator and Savior. A text well known to us, but I trust that as we seek to unfold something of what it holds forth to us, that the Lord would bless it. To draw close unto us as we would seek to draw close to him, both in prayer, word, and sacrament. So with the Lord's help, we will consider, especially verse 6, under the theme of the only way to God. The only way to God. Looking at these words, especially, I am the way. We'll consider three thoughts. First, that it is an answer. It is an answer. When Jesus spoke these words, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh but to the Father, but by me." There were circumstances that led to it. It was one of Christ's precious disciples that asked a question. The context, of course, is that night in which the Lord Jesus is betrayed, and these are the the final moments in which he has to prepare his dear family, his brothers, for the terrible attack from the devil and from the kingdom of darkness, which will yet fall upon them. But more than that, what you see in in this chapter is that he is speaking words to the church throughout all ages. He is seeking through this chapter, through his discourse with these troubled disciples to minister unto the needs of all disciples throughout all ages. I think there's such a special wisdom of the Holy Spirit in revealing to us Sometimes the, the silliness and the, even the foolishness of those early followers of the Lord Jesus, because certainly speaking for myself, I so often see myself in them. I, in their sins, I see my sins. In their mistakes, I see my mistakes. In their questions, I see so often my own confusion. What was this question that Jesus was asked. Well, it comes from Thomas. Thomas, that one who comes to us throughout church history as doubting Thomas, not because he was an unbeliever, but because he was especially racked with doubts at particular times, especially after Christ's resurrection. But here... He has been listening to Jesus speak about how he is leaving them, how it is that he is going to return to his father, how he is going to prepare a place for them. And he says, Jesus, to them, you know the way. And what does Thomas ask in utter perplexion at uh, response to this? Lord, we know not whither thou goest. We, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And of course, you would read different commentaries and it seems like many people have the idea that where Thomas is listening to Jesus, he's sort of interpreting everything that he's saying according to a very earthly sense. So where Jesus says, I, I go to my Father's house where there are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you, perhaps Thomas was thinking that maybe outside Jerusalem there's sort of a physical house and, and that is where Jesus is, is leaving for them. And, and so many people argue. I, I sort of don't, don't think so personally. As, as I listen to this, I think that Thomas is speaking impulsively. I think that there's some measure of knowledge of, of what it is Jesus is saying, but, but the pieces are not just fitting together. He he's just can't quite break through to understand the full revelation that Jesus is giving here of who he is and what he is about and what he is about to do. So we ask this question. We don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? I think he's he's speaking this word in a place of desperate confusion. He doesn't understand. And the anxiety that he feels is that he would be lost, not knowing the way. once heard a story about a family that was out in a at a barbecue and all of a sudden the family dog ran into a, a very high cornfield that was near the time of harvest. And a little boy, he, he runs into the cornfield after the dog and, and runs and runs and, until he gets to a certain place where he he looks around and he comes to see that he is completely lost in this huge field. And it's a a dangerous thing. People have even gotten lost or, or even even died in, in these huge cornfields. And so this little boy looks around and realizes that he's completely separated from his mom and dad. And when you would feel that in any respect, that you might be lost, that you might be separated from those whom you love, you know, that, that sinking feeling. Oh, it is. The, even the prospect that you might be left alone can be a very hard thing. And so I think that's really what, what Thomas is, is, is speaking about. He's, he's getting so anxious and emotional at the thought that the Lord Jesus might be separated from him, that he's anxious that he might be among those who is so lost he might never find his beloved Savior. And I think that when you see Jesus so tenderly speaking to this, his disciple, answering this question, can we not put each one of us in the place of this troubled disciple? It might be that you yourself are suffering from a state of confusion. It might be that you are living in a kind of darkness where where it doesn't seem like you can see the way through. What is it that the Lord would have you to do to find Him, to know Him, to live for Him? How is it that you can know His gracious presence in your life? How is it that you can find the way? You know, when we would speak of spiritual things, to know the living God. If we would find our way to God, we have to come to see what an impossible thing that is when you would even consider what it means to know God. I'm reminded of what uh, it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out this is God we are speaking of, a God of insurpassable glory and majesty. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, He dwells in unapproachable light, one that no man has seen or can see. Where we would seek to have dealings with God, it's not so simple as just taking out a manual or, or taking out a map and and finding our, our way to where we need to go. These are things that are deep mysteries. So it's, when we would think of God, it's, it seems impossible. When we think of ourselves, how much more so? It says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 4, verse 19, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. There are these descriptions that the Bible uses. The way in which we walk, the path in which we tread in life, the choices that we make, the life that we live, we are so prone to stumble, we are so prone to plunge into death, And why is that? Because by nature our understanding is darkened. We are alienated from the life of God and we succumb to a kind of stupid blindness because of our suppression of the truth, of the deception of the devil, of our turning away from the ways of God. And do not even believers feel that in themselves? How can we find the way? Well, here is one who comes so gently, so tenderly, and he speaks in a simple way to this confused disciple and to all disciples who would feel perplexed in themselves of where to find the way to God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here is one who has unsurpassed understanding. Here is one who has perfect and spotless moral uprightness. He speaks to one who has a pitiful foolishness and lack of understanding. One who is a sinner. But there is, is no harshness in these words. There is no, well, you should have known by now, Thomas. You should have discerned the way by now. No, a student who has in some measure failed countless uh, examinations He comes to him with this lesson on the very night in which he is betrayed. Here is a very simple lesson, Thomas. Here is something that is low enough and careful enough, that is clear enough for even the weakest of my disciples. The way is found in me. I am the only way to God. And indeed, congregation, we must understand this. Any knowledge of God, any knowledge of spiritual things, which does not come from the Lord Jesus Christ, it is but superstition and idolatry. Would you prepare for the Lord's Supper this week? Would you seek to exercise some spiritual disciplines? Then we need the Lord Jesus for that. So I say it's an answer, an answer to a question but really, in its essence, it's a declaration, isn't it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Were anyone else to say these words, congregation, you would have to say that is a megalomaniac. That is someone who is going far, far beyond what is allowed. There would be many holy Teachers, many great servants of the Lord, many prophets, many mighty workers of God's power, both before Christ and after. But none, none who had any fear of the Lord would dare to utter these words, I am the way. Not just I know the way, but I am the way. What is it that is meant by those Words. How is it that we can begin to unfold them? Well, I think in the first place, we need to see that here is one who is speaking of his teaching prophetic office as the chief and the great prophet. Here is someone suffering in confusion and darkness, and he is fearing that he may be lost. And he says... I am the way, I can bring you out of that lost state. However far you may wander from me, Thomas, I can find you. I can point you to the way because I am the way. Where you cannot find the path to God, the path of God will come to you. It is me, myself. To me, it's fascinating how this book of John, so often interconnects. You read it through one time and, and you can get a great measure of, of insight into who this person Jesus Christ is, but it's through reading it and reading it and reading it and you, and you can to see all these themes, they're interwoven and interconnected. Consider how that uh, began in the very first part of this great gospel book. Chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In that same chapter, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it. Here you have someone who is described as the Word. There's many things that means, but... Certainly we ought to see that this is the one who is the perfect revelation of God's character. The perfect revelation of God to man is the one who is himself God, the only begotten word in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. I remember one time when I was... I was beginning to mull over that. I, I began to, to really question, how is it that, that you have Jesus referred to as the Word, but also the written Word, the Scriptures? It's also used by that same Greek word, logos, and, and the preaching of of the Word. That's also sometimes used by that that Greek word. How is it that you have one word that can describe a, a book, letters on the page, and the, the utterance of the preacher? But it's also... Supremely, the name of a person. All this because congregation, wherever God's people gather under this precious means of grace, the Word of God—that the that the only begotten Word, the divine Word—he is Himself present through His Spirit and Deity. That His. His written words, they each one are instruments in his hands in order to bring his light into a dark world. And so it is, this one can declare, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Here is one who brings revelation, truth, To those who lack it. Those who are darkened in their understandings. Those who are deceived by the devil. Those who would wander in their own way. He comes with his teaching. And let us take that as as an important lesson, congregation. If you would be rightly prepared to take the supper of the Lord, you must fill your thoughts with these words of Christ. And... Do not rest until those words bring you to the divine word. Come to every part of the Bible and ask yourself this question. What does this speak of Christ? What does this reveal of his character? How does this confirm his promise? What does this teach me about his command? All of that, everything in the Bible It brings us to him. So we say this. If we would understand this word, I am the way, we must say that that it speaks of his teaching, his teaching to the lost. But likewise, we we can say this as well, that he is the way in a special way as it concerns his death. In his death. What is it that I'm saying? Well, When you would look at at cases where Jesus is referred to as the way in Scripture, it seems that there is sometimes a special sense in which this is about how Christ has opened the way to God through his sacrificial death upon the cross. And perhaps uh, you know the, the text in which I'm especially referring to, and that is Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 to 22. And there you have in, in that beautiful book a description of Jesus as the great high priest of his people. And it's describing Christ's atonement and death through all of this language of the Old Testament priesthood. And if you see in Hebrews 10, verse 19, you see these words. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with all with pure water now the, the language here is is of the tabernacle or the temple and and sometimes both of those are used in in that book of Hebrews, but in both cases you have of course the outer courtyard where um, was the sort of the least holy place where even the nations could go and and then you have as you get into the interior of the temple you have have a holy place where where only priests can go and then as you get into the inner sanctum of that great structure of the holy of holies that place where the special presence of God is. That place where only the high priest could go once a year on that great day of atonement. And that way was was very reserved. It was, it was a way of death to anyone who would approach there beyond the veil of that curtain. If they were not the high priest, they would have been killed instantly. And so The author of the Hebrews, he speaks of a new and living way. New in contrast to the old covenant. The death of Christ is a new way in that it it brings access to God since the coming of Christ and through his death on the cross. But it is a living way because it brings life. And so it is that it's through his flesh and through his blood that is set forth as, his, as this way, as, as his death upon the cross. And we must bear that in mind, congregation, that were it not for the death of Jesus Christ taking the curse in our place, there could be no communion with God. It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, Jesus Christ whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It's through that way, congregation, faith in the crucified Savior that you may have peace with God and you may be declared righteous in his sight. But mark these words that were spoken by the Puritan John Owen. Mark these words well. Confidence in an access unto God not built on, not resolved into the blood of Christ is but a daring Presumption, which God abhors. Reality is, congregation, if you would seek any access to God, if you would offer any prayers that are not based upon the, the death of Christ, if you would offer any obedience, if you would offer any worship, it would all be a stench in his nostrils. This is the only way of propitiation, the only way of access, the only way of forgiveness, the only way of communion. Think about that great day where Christ gave up the ghost. We know that there was this great and mighty earthquake as the the earth itself seemed to wrench and, and to protest at the great act that Christ had done. But as well, we saw that that temple veil was split in two from the top to the bottom. Christ was declaring that whereas before there, there was this visible separation from the presence of God, now that is ripped asunder. Now he welcomes all and anyone to approach into the holy presence of God. And now Jesus himself speaks to you and to me and he says would you know God you don't need a philosophy degree you don't need a seminary education you don't need to uh, have all of these technical things as much as those may be profitable in their place but it's this I am the way trust in me trust in my death as the crucified Savior, and you can enter in. I am the way. So it's that congregation, not only declaration of his teaching and death, but as well as death, I should say. I'd say this as well, congregation, there is his example here. You have one who, according to his own words, he is returning to the presence of his Father. He goes into his heavenly throne to prepare a place for his people. How is it that Christ went all the way into that place of exaltation, into that place of the glorified, exalted station in which he enjoys with with perfect joy in the presence of his Father? While well, it was through a particular way of obedience unto God, of sacrificing all, of not returning unkindness and hatred to those who despised him, but showing perfect love to each one who approached him. And we might be tempted to say, well, there is Christ and there is his standard of righteousness. We, we see him showing such love and kindness unto all. We see as well such boldness in testifying of the truth. We see his fear, fearlessness in opposing the devil and his kingdom. We see everything that made Christ glorious in his obedience but we ought not to think that has nothing to do with us, congregation, and how we live. Jesus Christ, he is a living precept, a living law in his example. And there's not a few passages of scripture that say that if we would go to the place where he is, we must follow in that example that he has left us in imitation of him. So likewise, we see in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought also so to walk even as he walked. Congregation, we must walk in the way that Christ walked according to that perfect obedience to God the Father in that way of sacrifice, in that way of death and the cross. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that we, ye should follow his steps. And I suppose that's really the measure of, of anyone, isn't it? Not how do they act when things are well, but how do they act under suffering? How do they bear up under affliction? How is it that we treat one another when things are difficult? Well, Jesus, it says in verse 22 of that part from First Peter, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. If Christ, to the very point of death and suffering, and suffering the curse of hell in our place, would bear that patiently, reserving all unto his Father. And congregation, that is the way in which we must walk as well. It says plainly in the word of God, without holiness no man shall see God. Christ has every right to say unto his people, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let us remember, congregation, that this as well is, is the way unto heaven, the way unto God, and that is living a Christ-like love. But where is other examples they just give you a set of precepts and they give you a set of principles, here is one who actually empowers us to follow that example congregation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. If we would be conformed unto the image of Christ, if we would imitate him, we must do it through the power of the Spirit of Christ congregation. Christ is desiring that we would walk in him. He is the way. Not merely the example to imitate, but as the one who gives the strength to walk in that way. Let us hear this word, congregation. Let us take this even as a promise. Where Christ has come to us and said, I am the way, we may grasp hold of this promise. We may bring it to him and say, Christ, be my way where I have lived apart from your precepts, where I have not loved as you have loved Christ, where I have returned evil for evil and sin for sin, teach me to love even my enemies. Teach me to love as you have loved. But not say this in the final sense, congregation. If we would understand Christ's meaning, I am the way, we must see that he is also saying much more than that. He's saying that he is both the way and the destination. You know how it is when you get on an airport, I trust. You don't really, you, most of us, look forward to that experience of being in transit like a piece of cargo. You're, you're sort of cooped up in this aluminum tube and you're, you're flown about and you've got problems with your luggage and you've got all the security problems and it's just a wearying, trying thing, getting where you need to go. And and so many of us would say, well, you know, if the destination is worth it, then I'll travel in the way that will bring me there. And that might have been enough if Christ would have come to us as the mediator and said, I am the one who can bring you unto one who is perfect and full of joy and blessedness and glory. But where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he is saying that he is both the way and the destination. That this one who comes to us as our path to walk in, as our opening into access to God, he is also the prize and the joy of the journey the message here is that he, in his glorious divine perfections, he has all truth, he has all life, he holds these things of himself, for he is true and living God, all beauty, all goodness, all righteousness, all pleasure it is found with him. And so what a blessed journey it is. Not only that we would partake of such a prize when we enter into the place of heavenly bliss, but that we even have that foretaste of heaven because the journey in which we walk is with that very one to whom we go. Christ is with us even in life's journey and we can have that foretaste of heaven if we will but seek to experience and know him, but knowing that the insurpassable weight of glory, which will belong to those who love and fear him, when we have the sight of um, his presence, it is not worthy to be compared with any of life's trials and troubles. This congregation is what can settle and ground us also in this week of preparation that he is the way and he is the destination. Well, Garangation, I uh, said I had three thoughts. There's the answer, there's the declaration, but there's also that warning, is there not? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one whatsoever can come to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God. This is the only one. And maybe I would speak to someone here who, who really thinks that there can be some other way. Yes, you would certainly not want to fall in with those who would say, well, it's through the worship of Mary or through it's the the teaching of Mohammed or or it's through this or through that philosophy that will bring me to God. You would not make a mistake like that, I trust, if you're here with us this afternoon. But might it be the case that you really think that if you would simply get this or that right in your life, that that would be the ground of your acceptance before the Lord? If you would but pray harder, if you would but get this or that defect repented of in your life, and finally the Lord would be pleased with you. All congregation. The Lord is most pleased with us when we are most pleased with Jesus Christ. God would have us settled and grounded in this most basic truth that it is through His beloved Son. It is through the one mediator between God and man, this precious Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world who is at once the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth this one who has all the perfections of spotless humanity and divine glory and His one undivided person. It is through him that we may come to the Father. I think again of what the apostle said in, in Hebrews. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That is what pleases the Lord. Not a presumption where we would thrust ourselves into the presence of God because we think that we have finally attained to this or that level of spirituality or this or that attainment, but through Christ we may be bold, not because of anything in us, but because of who he is. In congregation, could he have spoken more clearly? My dear troubled friend, do you not see that it's all so plain? You must give up everything else. You must put away every other thought and only listen to the plainly spoken declaration of the Lord with that solemn warning attached. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It would be a terrible thing if anyone here would not come to the Father by Jesus Christ. It would be a terrible thing to fall short of that wonderful happiness and pleasure of knowing him in this life and then in the life to come, all perfection, simply because the gospel was set forth in such a simple and 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 straightforward way that we despised it out of our own pride. This is a pool that even the smallest of Christ's lambs can wade into. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He will receive you. He will bring us to the Father. He will make all well. Let that be what we have in view, congregation, in this preparatory service And let us long that we would see something of that precious Savior when we gather here in this coming week by faith.